Welcome to Risky Thoughts with Rob and Roy. I'm Rob. And I'm Roy. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Risky Thoughts. First and foremost, thank you for those who have been listening. We are greatly appreciative. And um, I know we keep promising you guys that we're going to be making forward progress on the video content (laughs) for YouTube. We are. I know it doesn't seem like it because we got nothing up yet, but we are. It's actually a lot more difficult than we thought it was to get the right setting, the right lighting, you know, mix that with the right audio quality, but we're, we're getting really close and uh, keep an eye out for it. We will obviously make an announcement through an episode when we have it aired on video on YouTube, as well as obviously making an announcement on our Instagram and Twitter. So yep. keep posted for that. I'm totally uh, proud of what we've achieved so far, having panel members. And I think we're going to have more panel members from the looks of it. You yeah. Know, based on our conversation with people, people, you know, want to come and talk to us. We want to talk to them. Um, and I also want to also extend that thank you as well to everyone who is listening and kind of enjoying our conversations. Um, you know, we've been also listening to other podcasts as well. Rob is telling hey, Rob, every, every night Rob goes for a run, which I'm really proud of him. I've kind of slacked off a little bit here because I started a new role, uh, which, you know, maybe we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode. But, you know, uh, he listens to what? An episode a night? Of uh, some yeah, sometimes podcast. two episodes, depending on how long the episodes are. But I try to get as much of a diverse background on different podcasters. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I'm proud of what we've made, man. I really yeah. am. I think that we're, we're we're doing the best that we can anyways. And There's a lot to improve, and we're trying to really refine the product for everyone. Yeah. And it's just so that's an experience that you can enjoy and listen and learn and, you know, um, unpack things with us. Yeah, we. I think for me, it's like the fact that people are considering it thought-provoking mm-hmm. and people find themselves sitting in their cars or wherever they're listening, like talking to themselves as if they're part of the conversation. It's an excellent sign. I'm very happy to hear that that's what's happening because that is ultimately our objective here. Exactly. So, but uh, yeah, so thank you for that, everybody. And um, what is it that we do here, Rob? Like, oh, what, it, it, that's the one thing that we... Million dollar have. question, man. I, I, every time somebody asks me about what we do on this podcast, it's like, I always have a different answer. I mean, yeah. sometimes I'll say like, oh, what we do is we question the societal structure of values. Yeah. Sometimes it's about this, it's about that. But I think the reality is, and this was through our last discussion when we were talking with all of our partners that are involved in this process, we kind of tried to refine it down to a simple statement as saying something like, we try to explore our experiences through conversation mm-hmm. and create a thought-provoking discussion that allows listeners to hear our opinions, right? Right, and allow them an opportunity to digest our thoughts and incorporate those thoughts into their own thoughts and to see if there's any common ground or perhaps some growth that could occur. Yeah, I think another word that we were also looking at too is like just the mindfulness and awareness through articulation and conversation right yeah, so and that, discussion in general and, yeah exactly you know so many times like we just kind of travel our kind of journey here and we don't really think of what we're actually doing and why we're doing it you know so um it definitely is a liberating experience when you can figure out why you do the things you do why you're afraid of the things you're afraid of and you know why things just don't make sense out there uh and that kind of nasty world. So this is a good opportunity to segue into tonight's discussion um, because what I do want to say is another another reason for the podcast was simply to be a, a form of therapy for you and I, mm-hmm. right? We didn't do this initially 
um, with any expectations of like public opinion or anything like that. We actually did this because we thought we do this anyways when we talk to each other yes. on a personal level, when we call each other and we have our long conversations. Absolutely. We find it therapeutic. And so on that note, um, we kind of wanted to explore um, something that Roy is going through in life and yeah. has gone through as well and it's just kind of coming back to you now yeah i was and, watching so i just wanted yeah. i was watching like the elsa lamb documentary on elisa lamb yeah Elisa is it elisa lamb yeah some people say they call it elsa lamb i don't know what the youtubers they call it they call her that but uh it's a kind of really weird story it, it definitely involves someone dying unfortunately but it's very creepy if you check it up on youtube like disclaimer trigger warning here like uh it is very weird and it's about an elevator and she was in an elevator and she did some weird stuff and she died and you know she was also suffering from um mental illness right right now we don't know no one knows the cause of it because it was so bizarre like the gesticulation she was making the movements and even the elevator not closing they thought it was like ghosts and stuff but you know i'm a a little bit more rational i do think that like our minds do play some serious tricks on us you know you know we were talking about just now that how our eyes work you know they, they're not real glasses that our brain is seeing through no it's just little bits of data that's processed that come into our eyes that get read and then it gets processed in our brain uh so too are people who have schizophrenia or bipolar delusions you know um hallucinations things like that so mm -hmm. you know it, it, the mind is a very weird place and we kind of always have to i think we don't spend enough time you know understanding our own minds yeah and how uh, they work and you, how they you, deceive us sometimes even in like on a scientific level we don't we we it's probably the part of the universe that we understand the least mm -hmm. like we literally know more about the universe itself than we yeah. know about our own minds so yeah. very interesting but um we have talked about mental illness before on previous episodes. Tonight, obviously, the emphasis is specifically on social anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. And um, for those who don't know who are listening to this, Roy did suffer from a severe social anxiety disorder, as classified by the medical professionals in our area. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you've come a long way from that. You're, you yeah. know, a very functioning individual. Right, the social anxiety has not crippled you to a capacity or to to a degree that, you know, was, you know, is acting as some form of a barrier to your advancement or your existence in society. Yeah, it was like when that what a, what severe social anxiety looks like, and I don't I think there's even more severe cases. But I went to CAMH, you know, ten years ago. CAMH is a center for adult mental health. That's right? correct. It's in Canada, I don't know if it's a global. center for addiction and mental health. I, I think. No, it's Center for, maybe it's addiction. Oh, fuck. This is weird. Either way, it's yeah. mental health related. So. Yes. And, um, you know, I got diagnosed because I was actually just not functional. Mm -hmm. I could not go into a store. I could not, like, talk to people. You know, I was, like, mainly on my computer. You know what I mean? Like, I just, it was just, life was very stressful. And um, that added to the anxieties. Right. And anxiety is a manifestation, is the physical manifestation of worry. Right. So typically people who have anxiety are current are worrying. And what are you can you worry about? Like worry in essence has to do with the future. Right. 
Correct. So um, you can you, you you can't worry about yourself right now, right? But you're worrying about the state of where you're going or what's going to happen in the future. So it's like, you know, social anxiety is that worrying of what people are going to think of me. That's correct. And that, that so the actual definition right. from CAMH's website of social anxiety is social anxiety disorder, also known as social phobia, involves a fear or anxiety about being humiliated or scrutinized in social situations, which lasts at least six months. This fear causes significant distress or impairment in day-to-day functioning. So, you know, that's just one pretty way of everything that you just said. Right. Right. And it it really does come down to, you know, um, a fear of the social world around you. Right. Right. We all typically have this fear. Yes. Right. And it's varying degrees of it. And when it passes a certain threshold, let's just say the bottle keeps filling up. That's when you get the kind of like the, the variations and those kind of, uh, kind of suffixes of you know severe um extreme you know uh, so in my and that's how it kind of like because we all want to be part of the group and we all want to be part of society we are social animals we're not typically like those sigma type people who kind of just are able to be like a lone wolf no we need each other and are consistent um we're trying to figure out our status right in, Correct. in, in the group right so like I said to you before we started recording tonight, I wanted to sort of interview you tonight. I want this to be more of like a question and answer sort of thing, okay. only because there's parts of this that I can't understand because right. I don't suffer from a severe social anxiety disorder. Okay, so can, can I actually bring up this little kind of information here about anagrams? Sure. So um, this is one thing that has helped me, but I think it also, let's just start here. Um, I'm not a big believer on the MBTI stuff, but they are very useful because the way I look at this type of stuff, people put a lot more value into these things, like as in it's more r- concrete, right? Um, so MBTI, again, just to clarify for the listeners, Myers-Briggs. is the Myers-Briggs. Yeah. Yes. Those are the personality tests, you know, 16 personalities, the anagrams, big five personality tests. You know, when you go to work, they classify you in certain areas um so mine is a number two right and once again the reason why i'm trying to just read it out is because it's going to give us some concrete um personality traits so all humans have all traits typically but they're once again varying degrees like little dials on a knob right um so i am considered the helper uh the caring interpersonal type generous demonstrative people pleasing Right, our, funny that our first episode second, was the yeah. second episode, and possessive. Right, maybe we should do an episode on each one of these kind of things. Um, type two in brief, and this is right from the Anagram Institute. Twos are empathetic, sincere, warm-hearted. They're friendly, generous, and self-sacrificing, but they are can also be sentimental, flattering, and people-pleasing. They are well-meaning and driven to be close to others, but can slip into doing things for others in order to be needed. They typically have problems with possessiveness and with acknowledging their own needs at their best, unselfish and altruistic. They have unconditional love for others and basic fear of being unwanted, unworthy of being loved, Uh, basic desire to feel loved. 
Um, and that's, I think that's enough to kind of give you a personality of Roy. I don't are. know if, is that what you kind of see? Yeah, it is. I, it's right. a pretty good, it's a pretty good description of who you are as a person for sure. Mm-hmm. And so now just to tap, tap back into like the actual social anxiety disorder, my question for you is from your perspective, like forget the definition per mm-hmm. textbook. What is your experience been like? Like, how would you define it, I suppose, is the question I'm asking you. Like, what is Roy's interpretation and experience, definition based on experience look like? What is your definition of social anxiety disorder? I think the biggest, I think it happened in university. Um, Because I am this type of person, um, these things are complex. You know, reading people, understanding if they're satisfied with you. Um, trying to even please someone is a complex task and it requires a lot of energy um, and a lot of brain power, right? It's And when I was in engineering and doing things that are, were very technical, sometimes my working memory was not like up to snuff to handle some of those tasks because they continually, my brain continually funnels energy and resources into other parts of the brain with like social things, with regards to social interactions and problems um so that means I, I wasn't excelling at that you know at the task in engineering and i just felt dumb right so whenever i'm part of a group project or um i had to get something done it was very difficult for me because even though i understood the math and i understand the logic and because even social tasks require logic and those type of um cognitive faculties I was feeling like I was just dumb, right? And then from that feeling of being dumb, it's just like, maybe I can't even get a job. Maybe I can't ever even work with people. Maybe all these start, questions started happening and you know, grades are starting to slip. You got problems happening at home and it just kind of confounds it and you get you kind of get isolated uh, to s- things that are easy enough to do so i am very physical i'm a physical type of person and i like to do physical activities because it's easier than using my brain to do to do things right um typically that's the case with a lot of people i do observe so the anxiety happens because i don't feel i can contribute enough value to the group mm-hmm. right and because i can't do that it's like maybe i'm useless maybe i'm not needed right maybe i serve no purpose Right. And all those things start to kind of like trip me out. And then I'm, you know, then I feel that people are able to catch on to these deficiencies that I'm being very self critical with. So it almost, on myself. It, it, the way you're describing it, and I know this is probably a very far stretch, but body dysmorphia and like, you know, disorders such as um, anorexia, mm-hmm. where there's a consistent thought that your body's not good enough yet. Um, that's obviously like a manifestation in a physical sense of like some form of like um, deficiency. You you observe a deficiency in your body, whereas with your situation, you're uh, you're perceiving that there's a deficiency in your mind, mm-hmm. like in your mental capacity and in your what you're able to contribute and you know uh, even emotional offerings, right? Like, you- so I want to be clear here. It's like um, definitely there is a perceived. But I think there's also a real. Um, so there is a real, for example, we're all in different shapes and sizes. We have capacities in that sense. I too also have capacities to my mind with regards to um, analyzing data, 
no matter how hard I try to, um, my brain's always going to deviate and start to daydream. And it's not as easy to kind of just will it, you know, it back into focus because now I forgot what I'm like. If I gave you a sheet filled with numbers, right? Just bare numbers. You know, when you're on an Excel sheet, mm-hmm. you, I, I get confused very easily, right? So I have to figure out different coping mechanisms to deal with that. Um, and that confusion or the acknowledgement of that confusion definitely uh, it, it reduces my confidence and it gives me anxiety and worry. Um, so, I mean, once again, I'll, I'll let you continue, but there's definitely um, a perceived and a, a, real. a real, right? It's Because I'm not stupid, I can, I'm also, I can see where the limits are for my mind, mm-hmm. you know? So, okay, with that being said, um, I'll do what I normally do here, which is try to find an analogy that is as simple as possible. Like, I'll give you an example, um, and perhaps this will help illustrate your point. If we're talking about a situation where, you know, you're playing a game of Monopoly, right? And your ability to um, sort of understand the economics in Monopoly, right? Let's, you know, you know full well that buying Boardwalk and Park Place have, you know, a great return, but it's not the best return on investment. So there's like an actual Mm -hmm. optimization strategy from like a mathematical perspective in the game Monopoly. Mm -hmm. Now, not everybody can see that, right? So what I'm trying to understand is you recognize that you are not capable or as capable perhaps as the person next to you in terms of identifying that optimization strategy, which properties will get me the best return on investment, for example. Right. So it's okay. So I, I want to clarify it again because the analogy is really good. I can identify the optimization strategy. I can't optimize it on the spot. Right. You know? Okay. So now my question for you becomes this. There are lots of people in the room who are going to acknowledge their inability to optimize on the spot or, as you said, mm-hmm. maybe as quickly as another person at mm-hmm, the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But those people, like the differentiating factor between the way that you deal with that fact and the way that they deal with that yes. fact is where I think mm-hmm. there's a divergence in sort of where you guys are at mentally. Yeah. So you, it sounds like anyways, and this is where you have to correct me where I'm wrong, but you take that deficiency or that, you know, you're not the best at that mm-hmm. and you make it to become an issue. You feel as though um, you are at a disadvantage and therefore you're inferior in some way and you become afraid of right. being recognized for not being as good as the other person. Correct. Where I think most people are just like wow, man, you're really fucking smart. You're so good at figuring out the optimization on this. Um, but they're okay with not being that guy, mm-hmm. right? So, like, I think the the difference here is that, and it's not that you're not okay with not being that guy, but you're afraid others are not going to be okay with you not being as good as that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, is this... Is yeah, this it's, like a, it's getting close. Like, you know, it's definitely... That example could illustrate... Um, could illustrate it. 
Don't ask me why I chose Monopoly or why I talked about like optimization of like yeah. return on investment in the Monopoly game. It's a fucking very weird example right. to give. But it's just what came to my mind. And I think I'm just trying to illustrate here that the fundamentals to take away from that example is that your or a person with a social dis- anxiety disorder is afraid of the perception from others that they are not as they're not good enough mm-hmm. or they're not the best or whatever. Yes. And that actually bothers you or people with the disorder. Absolutely. Whereas the person who doesn't suffer from the social anxiety disorder or at least is not as far up on the spectrum as you described it earlier because we all kind of have it a little bit. Yeah. They just accept it and they don't care that they're not as good as the next person and they don't care if the person next to them cares if they're as good as the best person. Right, exactly. It's that caring part of it. It's just right. like, you know, sometimes people will be like, yo, man, you did a shit job here. Right. And like some people's reaction is like, oh, fuck this guy. He doesn't know what he's fucking talking about. Yeah. But I'm just like, oh, yeah, fuck this guy. And I go back and I'm like, man, like I actually suck at this. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So um, obviously it requires like a significant. So I was able to battle this kind of social anxiety without medication. And I kind of want to get this is my yeah. next question for you for my for my next question of my interview with you, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question for you is how did you because you are a, you were definitely functioning and I don't see the impedance from uh, the social anxiety disorder in your life today or at least yeah. right now. I shouldn't say right now. Let's say as of three weeks ago. Um, because we're going to get to a point where we're talking how yeah. it's kind of coming back and I will get there. Mm-hmm. But how did you manage to deal with, how did you manage to cope with this anxiety that existed? How did you get over it? So the the analogy here, and actually it's not even an analogy, it's actually a practical uh, type of deal. Um, when you were a kid and you have to go to sleep in the dark, you don't want to, so you use a nightlight. But eventually your parents take away the nightlight and they stop letting you sleep with the light on because it's not good. Right. It's killing their energy. So you eventually have to sleep in the dark. But maybe the first night you stay up all night and eventually at some point, you know, you're, you capitulate and you're like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to sleep. Right? So very similar. It's like I have to, I had to expose myself to what caused me fear. Right. right was which was all at that time was all people now was that done through the efforts like did you recognize this on your own because this is a form of treatment what you're describing yeah. is obviously cognitive behavioral therapy right right a cbt for the acronym yeah. so and I, I didn't want to take medication right, right? so I, I i spoke to my doctor and you know i had i couldn't stop at just one place like, which is like Cam H. I, I went to my family doctor, went back to Cam H, you know, looked on the internet. I was always a philosophical person. So I, I had faith that I could resolve this in some way using words, right? And training of the mind and mindfulness. So I went to the doctor. He suggested me some articles. You know, they have great, like, um, programs like bounce back that's a huge one that a lot of people use that's really good if you really give it a shot and it, it provides you with mindfulness and the reality is just that when somebody judges you right um and i don't know how to unpack this one yet because but it was something that's a very solid one uh a solid kind of little keynote here is that if someone's judging you the problem's actually not with you it's with them right mm-hmm. if they're judging 
you, right? And it, it, it comes down to even casting judgment, right? Like it's just such a, I know our, our whole legal system is based on some human being at the top judging us, but that's just for um, the laws that you're breaking, which are very concrete in some sense. And that's a hard thing to do right. for a person. Now imagine judging someone's character. At, that's even more complex, mm-hmm. right? So the reality is like if someone can even arrive at a conclusion that this person is a bad person or this person's lesser inferior yeah. inferior it means that like somehow you were able to arrive at an unfathomable solution the fact and do, uh, it sounds, do you understand where i'm going with this i think so i think what you're Could saying you is that what they're claiming to have as fact in their head is an impossible way it's to an be. impossible you can't, you can't make that fact you can't make that up this right. guy's a bad person the only even you don't know if you're a bad person this person not he's not living in your shoes, right? He so, or she. So, in other words, the interpretation of the other person judging you is just that. It's yeah. an interpretation. It's an interpretation, and it's subjective to their own perspective and their own views. Exactly. So, therefore, that judgment being cast on you yeah. is an issue or a reality that exists only in that person's mind. Right. So, not to take it seriously and not to allow that judgment to affect the way that you perceive the world. Right. And okay, and that's great. Like yeah. that's actually very useful for somebody, hopefully, that is listening that may be suffering from a social anxiety disorder. Right. Um. So, you actually what you're describing right now is also another form of CBT, mm-hmm. right? So the the one that you first sort of identified, which is the whole analogy with the with the nightlight, mm-hmm. that's the exposure version of the of the treatment, which is like placing an individual. So let's say your fear is talking with a woman. Right. Let's say you're a young man and you're afraid. You get really, really nervous. You start to sweat. Yeah. You know, you blush. You get a little uncomfortable when you get put in a position where you're talking one-on-one with a girl, for example. Right. Absolutely. The 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 solution with the nightlight would be equivalent to putting, taking that young man and just putting him in front of girl after girl after girl mm-hmm. and having one-on-one and one-on-one and one-on-one yeah. until they're desensitized to the fear and they become accustomed to it. Which is a as per our last episode, which is a massive fear for a large amount of men. That's correct. Because, you know, there's a lot of men who have never had a relationship, even a friendship with a woman. That's correct. Right? So, um, so that actually is a very good place to kind of pause and think about some of these young men mm-hmm. and what they go through because that anxiety is crippling and it will destroy you. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's for both women and men to understand what these people are going through. And it's for people who are in this to understand that the, the way out is to expose yourself to what's causing you the fear. One of the ways out. One of the ways out. Right. One of the ways out to what's causing you the fear, right? Correct. And so now the alternate path, as opposed to having this exposure treatment, mm-hmm. is just a recognition and a mindfulness right. of the issue. Right. Right. So... In, in the situation, we'll keep to the same point here. If you're afraid to talk to a girl one-on-one, mm-hmm. the objective is to identify why you believe that right, and try to come to terms and have a full understanding of the rationale behind it. And through that mechanism of understanding in depth what that fear is all about, just the, expo- just the uh, awareness of it alone will allow the individual to feel less afraid of it. Mm-hmm. There's this weird... This is like, again, Jordan Peterson talks a little bit about this as well 
on different levels, but he always talks about confronting the dragon and calling the monster by name. Mm-hmm. Once you're capable of doing that, it's actually not as uh, it's not as much something to be feared as you thought it was. Right. Right. right? And it's very interesting that this actually that these two discussions kind of align in the same place yeah. here where it's like, you know, um someone that and I, look I'm speaking completely out of place here because I don't suffer from this this is just observational discussion that I'm having right. here so I do I do want to like uh, add in a little bit more here that's 100% 100% this journey of desensitizing your fear does not ever end right like that's another reality there's no quick fix out of it um, we were raised in as children and sometimes in not so optimal conditions, uh, most of the time in not so optimal conditions. Um, so it's going to kind of transpire for our entire lives. And it's like a marathon, right? So even me starting my new role, like I definitely have this kind of imposter syndrome where I'm not good enough because I am not able to do tasks. Um, but it's very key to participate in this discussion. And I think one other little tip here is that I always uh refer back to like what who i am right so the reality is just like you have that thought just like damn you're fucking useless you're not going to be able to like handle the brunt harsh reality of 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 living right even in a safe place like this and i refer back to like who the hell is roy and what does he do and how is that valuable to society sometimes maybe you're not in the right role but you know, once again, like, um, my intelligence is definitely like, I'm lucky and blessed because I have intelligence, but that does not, it doesn't relate very well to my ability to do the tasks, right? Because my brain is consistently funneling energy. Like I'm more of a team builder, right? I'm the glue that holds everyone together. And that's what I do. I try to inspire people, right? Um, but you know, aside from that, it's just like, you're always going to be doing tasks that you don't do very well at. There's so many people who are absent-minded or forget the keys or, you know, are a little bit clumsy, right? Um, and, like, it's a consistent battle. So what I'm saying is that even at this point here, like, as, you know, you've seen it, and even as some people who have listening who know me have seen, like, an improvement in Roy, uh, there's still a lot more work to be done and doesn't it never ends and that's that's another reality that we have to like accept okay right? so this is a good opportunity now to go into my my third and probably final question for mm-hmm. you you touched on it that you've started in a new role mm-hmm. and i know obviously because you are a close friend so you talk to me um i know that you're struggling right now with this this adjustment to the new role Mm -hmm. and whether that's a function of your, um, I don't know, um, your perceived inability or not inability, but, um, you have a lot to learn. You can do a lot better than you're doing right now with the tasks that you have on your plate Mm -hmm. because they're relatively new to you. I mean, I'm curious to know if it's more that like, is it that you're afraid that you are actually not capable because of your, um, I don't know, not lack of experience is not the right word for it. Yeah, could be. Or do you think it's because there's now socially there are new people around you 
with new energy and new like ways of dialoguing <laughs> is that the overwhelming component of it or is it a combination of both of them okay so i never thought i could run 15 kilometers i did it right you know the new roy has done it mm-hmm. it, 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 it and it's just putting one step in front of the other step it's actually that simple right and so too are the tasks that we get at work um with regards to the competencies they will develop as time progresses um as i get older the time increases i'm i'm comfortable with this this kind of notion here um the part that is a little bit difficult is that your competencies affect if people like you or not <laughs> that's, sure. that's yeah. what i'm struggling with and you know it once again it's the reality here is that people sometimes don't understand that they are casting judgment right and and or or that they are you know every i i i, I see the best in people and but in the heat of the moment when things need to get done it gets a little bit difficult right um will i be good at these tasks ever yes i will be just like how i ran five, 15 kilometers and this summer you're gonna run 15 kilometers with me yeah, that's the goal here right so 100 percent, one step in front of the other tasks you will get better at tasks right you you just will be like um like you, you every morning you turn on the sink and you you fill your glass of water you know um tasks can get a little bit more complicated but you know the more you do it, the better you get. Period. Yeah, that I, is like study. That's a studied kind of phenomenon, like where you should try to avoid. That's one thing off my plate of thinking about. That was one something before. I was like, I'll never be good at this. So that's actually a moment. That's a perfect example of the idea of having awareness mm-hmm. of the flaw. Yeah. Right. It's like your fear is that you're not good enough, mm-hmm. but the fact that you can stop and recognize that. Well, hold on a second. Just with time alone, I'm going to improve yep. and I'll be good at this. And my confidence will increase. Correct. Like it does in other domains. And so the awareness of the fact that even though it may not be the case right now, but it's going to happen yeah. in time, at least allows your brain to like release yes. the tension on it. There you go. So that's actually very interesting that you mentioned that. Um, yes, in a, in a pri- in and in just from experience. A previous Roy would have held on to that and it would have consumed more resources for my processing and cognitive abilities, thinking about that as well. But that one is completely diffused. I know I will be good at it at some point. So so now to like kind of like make full circle here with this, when you called me the other day, yeah. it may even have been today. I think it was actually this morning. Yeah, it's probably this morning. There was a moment of like, this is too much for me. Like that was sort of the impression I got from you. Yeah. You were feeling like this, this is too much. I can't do this mm-hmm. anymore. Um, and it sort of signaled to me like you're, you're close to like giving up and throwing in the towel. And obviously I don't want you to do that. And I know we've now talked since then and you have, have made it clear to me that you are not going to give up. Yeah. Right. And that this is just like you, improving your ability to run it's the bounce back right right that's this is like with the bounce back and unfortunately it just took a 
you know, like a couple hours to figure that, not a couple hours, but like a, a day of reflection to figure that out, right. right? That there is a bounce back and that's what we all need to be able to do. Um, one thing I do notice with peop- my type of people is that you'll get this one line. It's just like, oh, I just want to go live in nature and just by myself and, you know, and live on a farm and grow my own. So that's, that's something that like, that's, I hate to break it, to everyone but that's like a giving up that's a that's capitulating in the bad way that's like you know what i give up like i'm throwing in the white flag i'm not good enough and that's i think that's that's a cop-out right unfortunately i think we all have those dreams oh i want to go down and live in the bahamas and just like live on like the freaking the seaside you know, I was like selling surfboards or renting something. You know what I mean? You see it in the movies all the time. But it's a, it's definitely a cop-out. The real answer to this is that um, if something is not working out for me, I need to pivot and use my strengths in a different area. That's it. So it, it, this is what I was trying to say to you right before we started the recording when I said um, that. And it's actually, it's, it's, it's far more, it's a much more prevalent point for those who are actually smart that I shouldn't say it like that, but those who have a, a higher level of intellect, when they're facing them, when they're facing the social anxiety challenge, um, because they're intelligent, they're going to be able to creatively come up with um, sneaky ways yeah. of finding a backdoor answer gonna to the real solution, right? And yeah. like you said, you said that you know, like for people that sort of are like you they're going to fantasize about a world that they believe is what they are actually striving for but it's only a defense mechanism that gives them the excuse to say oh yeah it's okay to give up on this mm-hmm. because that's not what i really want anyways this is what i really want yeah right and like the more clever you are the more intricate these little like you know fantasies become and like there's always a there's always an answer that's simpler than just facing the music and and dealing with the challenge by putting one foot in front of the other, right? And so I just want to caution anybody, and this applies to not just now in the realm of social anxiety disorders, but just in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you are an intelligent person, finding a clever answer to a simple problem is not efficient Mm -hmm. and is not necessarily the correct answer sometimes the simplest answer is the best answer, Mm -hmm. which is to just put one foot in front of the other and actually face the challenge, rise to it, right? I think that is the exact answer. You know, you got to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. You got to organize your folders one by one. Yeah. You got to make sure you wake up at the same time every day. So, you know, that's essentially... That's that's how I think we should all try to aim to resolve it. You know, um, when you hear messages of, oh, I just want to give up and just go live somewhere else. It's like, you catch yourself. You know what I mean? Like, don't give up. Like, yeah. do not give up. There is no reality ever where we're all going to have that life. And if we do, somebody is putting one step in front of the other step. To make it happen. To make it happen. Yeah, agreed. So... Just a little bit of mindfulness. Um, definitely very positive. I'm actually in loving this new position because it's. I broke one cycle and now I'm in a new one. Completely different. I'm going to develop great skills and I'm going to 
definitely leverage those skills in the future, right? So I do like what I'm doing. <laughs> it's stressful, um, but you know, it's something that Roy needed. Well, it's just like I like running now. It yeah. was tough, right? My body didn't like it. My brain didn't like it. You know, but you force yourself, you commit yourself to it. Yeah. And you end up reaping the rewards of that labor that you had to endure to get there, right? It's yeah. the same philosophy. It really is. Is it easy now to just kind of It's run? not just easy. I actually take pleasure in doing it. I look forward to my my nighttime because yeah. like I run at 10 o'clock every night, almost mm-hmm. on the dot. 10 yeah. o'clock hits. I tell my wife like, okay. Because it's because it's minus twenty outside nowadays here. So you're uh, running in the cold too. Yeah, That's yeah. Not, like it wow. doesn't bother me because I'll yeah. just like I'll bundle up. I'll wear like thermal gear and I'll just get yeah. out there and I'll go. Yeah. And I just it's so. When's the last time you've ever like exercised like uh, like this intensely? Oh, I I never have my entire <laughs> life. Literally never. I've never exercised. There you go. So yeah, it's been great, yeah. and I actually it's beautiful that like I'm finding bliss in this mm-hmm. because I think the same would apply for you and when you do force yourself to rise to the challenge Mm -hmm. of dealing and facing the social anxiety that you are now sort of being you know um reacquainted with you are also going to feel that bliss right and you're going to only improve at what you do for a living you're going to rise to new positions you're going to become more confident and like forget the typical societal benefits that come along with it like pay and status forget all that just the confidence within yourself is going to become greater and you'll become more solid individual right yeah the the ego in me is like um understanding who roy is and the importance of what i bring is important and i have to do whatever I, it takes to start to spread that at whatever i do mm-hmm. so um, I enjoy what I do and I want to bring a little bit of Roy into the mix. Uh, but obviously there's learning to build those muscles of putting one foot in the, in front of the other, um, running and David Goggins, extremely inspiring for me that actually did help me, uh, on my current journeys now. So I got into this last summer. Um, and ever since I started running, it's helped all the other like kind of auxiliary tasks that I had to kind of do uh throughout my life i always lean back on running that really really long endurance run um i think the definition of endurance is to remain in existence right and i think that's where i would want to end it yeah i think that's a perfect way to end this and i just want to add one link one little thing to it which is that i too enjoy what i do but I even more so enjoy doing this, which mm-hmm. is the podcast. Yes. And the, the the main reason for why I enjoy this so much is, you know, it's intellectually stimulating, number one. Number two, it's also intellectually stimulating for people who are listening to it. Right. And it can be productive for anybody who participates in listening and hopefully one day even in gets the opportunity to to sit and discuss things with us, right? Um, we really look forward to stuff like that and having different sort of guests on the show and exploring their, you know, the hurdles in life that they had to jump over and understanding their perspectives. And ultimately, all of this is to just bring 
some benefit to everybody, right? That was our objective as well, is to make Mm -hmm. sure that whatever we discuss here can be used productively for those who listen to it. And I think that tonight's topic, because it's actually a personal one to you, um, I really hope that those who listen to this, who are very, who may be experiencing the social anxiety themselves or know someone that is, I hope that there was something that they could take away from tonight's discussion and, and use it as something to move forward and, and be stronger with. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so that's where I'm going to end my piece tonight. And of course, for everybody listening, thank you very much. And always do not forget to check us out on our Instagram at riskythoughts.to. Please follow us there. And we do have a YouTube channel without the video content where these episodes air as audio only. But please also subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Yeah. We had an angry listener. (laughs) Yeah, we had somebody actually comment on one of the last episodes. He he thumbs down our... It was about incels and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I worked some magic in that thumbs down. Disappeared. Disappeared. So, yeah, I don't even know if it was him that actually gave the thumbs down, but I would suspect that it was because yeah. his comment was... like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. But it was weird because I responded at the end. It's just like, I love you, bro. <laughs> right? And it's like, it's like, it's that easy, guys. And no response came back. Yeah, that's how you diffuse the hate with love. So, okay. That's another episode of Risky Thoughts. Thank you very much. Take care. Peace out. Have a good night, everybody.